Breadcrumbs, and uh, I got Lee Gladish here, Managing Director of Demand Science, who is presenting the hot take on Don't Compete, Contrast Instead. Lee, I'll let you uh, take it from here. Hey, Adam. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me here today. Um, so, uh, my name is Lee Gladish, Managing Director of Science. Uh, I work in, uh, in product. Uh, handle our UI, UX engineering team here at, at Demand Science. And I always like to say, you know, don't compete, contrast instead. Try to figure what your 10x feature is in any product that you're going to build. So you don't need to compete. You know, you can always contrast, especially in the early days. You definitely want to niche down on that. So don't contrast, uh, don't compete, contrast instead. And um, I guess we'll get we'll get started here. So I kind of talked a little about uh, my intro, but uh, a little about Demand Science for people who don't know. Uh, we're a uh, demand gen company. We work with some of the largest world biggest brands, uh, helping them create content and syndication uh, to drive demand. Uh, and we sell intent data, pretty much any data that, that you're looking for. And um, my role here is really to build out the UX, UI, UI engineering teams uh, to really turn what we have uh, from more of a services business into, into uh, a SaaS business. So that's... Um, that's what I do here at Demand Science. And I've really had a hard time figuring out the interesting fact. I guess there's not a lot of interesting things about me. <laughs> but uh, I did. I have visited six out of seven continents. And the only continent I haven't uh, visited is Antarctica. So, um, and since, I've had, since I have kids... Sorry? Is Antarctica on the bucket list so you can complete the puzzle? Eventually, eventually. As you have kids and you kind of hit 40 and then, you know, it kind of slows down the traveling. But... Uh, I did a lot of that early in my like twenties and thirties. So it's been, yeah, it's been great. Been to pretty much everywhere in the world. So uh, Antarctica definitely on the list. So, um, but yeah, I couldn't figure I was trying to, I was listening to Mandy before and I was like, Oh, that's, you know, she had a good, really good one. I should have used something around sports. So, um, so let's, let's get kind of right in today. Today I'm going to talk about um, product led growth and um, having been, an entrepreneur for a long time and, and building a lot of products. I kind of just kind of fell into product management and, and, and product from a sales and marketing background. And, I, you know, today I want to kind of share some of my learnings and lessons in, in, in PLG. And um, as you can see, everyone thinks, you know, PLG is, is, is the shit, right? Um, but what a lot of people don't really understand is product led growth companies really generate a lot of revenue from sales as opposed to just, you know, product-led growth. So <clears throat> there's, a, there's a Stanford professor. His name is BJ Fogg. He has a book called Tiny Habits. And he has this formula. It's a BMAT formula, okay? And the formula really is, is around behavior, is the B, motivation, ability, and triggers, okay? So what we really want to do is to make the behavior happen for a user, we want to make sure that you actually, how do you create the motivation and billion and triggers for, for those users to make them go through really this product-led growth strategy? So in PLG, it mostly focuses on the A, the ability. So when we think ability, let's think about easy to take actions for a user. What are those easy to take actions in, in, in a product, right? Like actions that a user is going to do most often um, and how easy is that to, to go through? And, and you can even start really on your marketing, like their web, your, your website and how 
how many forms you have or what kind of hoops they have to go through to sign up for your product. And even when they get into your product, are you going through like a 50 step user onboarding before they even, they probably jumped off already. So we want to figure out like on the, on PLG mostly focuses on the ability <clears throat> and on complex products, high learning curve products. It's really about the end. It's the motivation. So I'll give you a great example of motivation. Um, think Shopify or think Webflow. Shopify, the user has to be really, really motivated to use Shopify, even though it's a great product, but they have to set up a storefront, shipping, distribution, landed costs, uh, accounting. Like there's a whole bunch of things. You have to go through like eight or nine things before you even get set up. So there's a lot of work. So you really need that motivation within the product to make sure that, especially on the complex side, that you you need to make sure that the user um, you're not fixed. You're not limiting fixed paths for the user. Essentially, you want to make sure it's really easy for them to kind of get in and get that kind of like aha moment. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into into like the BMAT formula, but essentially, in short, it depends on the complexity of your product with PLG. So, just so we're all on the same page, I I, I know that everyone talks about PLG. Uh, there's companies that I advise for. They always ask me about PLG, and it really all depends. So I think some of the things that we can probably agree on are, you know, what what are the fundamentals basis of PLG? So we can all agree it's probably like low barrier to entry. There is quick time to value. So no or little implementation when you're go, having your 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 uh, users go through a PLG strategy. And somewhat of a network effect, maybe virality within the product as well also helps with PLG. So it's like freemium, free trial, maybe a demo within that process um, that uh, most of your users are going to go through. It is not slow and long, slow adoption, long implementation. That is not PLG. But there are contrasts to that as well. So let's use Photoshop as a perfect example. Most people have to go through two to four years of university to learn Photoshop. A lot of people would say Photoshop is, you know, it's PLG because, you know, everyone will just use it and they, they tell everyone else, like, if you're using this, you need Photoshop and everyone uses Photoshop. Um, but there's a huge learning curve and people have to get educated to go through that. There's also a great story behind Google. So I um, know one of the, the early PMs at Google and he was telling the story that Google had a, a wizard to set up your ads early on. You would go in, you would go through the wizard, you would go through the steps, figuring out how to use and, and create your ads. But what happened was as they had, you know, tens of thousands of people go through this wizard, they realized that the users were actually spending more money on ads by using the wizard as opposed to not using the wizards because the certain setup and frameworks that, that, that were involved in there. So one of the things that you want to make sure is that, you know, you don't want to artificially limit paths to onboarding, you know, because when you limit the fixed paths, users may not get the most out of your product. So this is, this is kind of like a hybrid in between like a quick learning, low learning curve and a high learning curve product with Google, but you definitely don't want to limit fixed paths um, within, um, within your onboarding or within through your product. Uh, Adam, any questions for me so far? Um, we do have Heather mentioned uh, if you 
can cite the book uh, that you referenced? Yeah, BJ. Yeah, BJ Fogg, F-O-G-G, and it's Tiny Habits.